who better to reimagine the world and the way systems work than mm-hmm. artists and creatives? Who who better to to try to create something prolific and that hasn't been done than than a poet, than the people who talk about the world that they want to will into existence through literary arts? It's not new for artists to lead in social justice spaces and community aid, but one creative collective in Grand Rapids is looking to take a more explicit role in the housing market in a way that completely reimagines affordable living. But what we're doing that I've never seen done before is we're flipping the idea of rent on its head. What we want to do is we want to set people up to win and make sure that they're in an even better place financially when they leave than when they came in. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Marcel Price is known around the Grand Rapids community as Fable. He's a former poet laureate of the city and the executive director of the Diatribe, a youth-focused nonprofit. Marcel has worn a lot of hats, and he's putting on a new one as a community developer. We asked him to tell us about why the Diatribe is planning a new affordable housing unit on the city's southeast side. He says it all got started with a revolutionary public art project. The Diatribe's mission for the first six, seven years of our organization was that we use performing arts to empower young people to share their stories, uh, to raise awareness of social issues and for them to be active members in their community. And before we knew it, uh, the pandemic bloomed and we started really diving into public art as well. Not only doing these workshops and classes, but doing work that felt liberated, uh, doing public art that was primarily by black and brown artists on black and brown owned businesses all throughout our neighborhoods as a way of reclaiming our neighborhoods and where we live. And this art project became something unlike any art project in the world. The software development company uh, Carnivale uh, that my late wife, Nika, worked for uh, created a digital component where if you scan the art on the 49507 project, it brings you into a 3D version of where you're standing and it shows you the history on how our neighborhoods were made, how the 1930s lending maps were made, the history of gentrification and why some of our neighborhoods look like they look today. And we did all of this mural in a way of truly making public art. And what I mean by that is we did community listening sessions uh, in Spanish as well as in English because our our neighborhood is wildly vibrant and diverse. And we asked people, what do you want to see in your neighborhood? What do you want to see when it comes to this art? What do you want the art to stand for? What type of investments do you want in your community? And through these listening sessions, a lot of people talked about things like housing, real affordable housing, not just like the the phrase affordable housing that developers use to, to get government dollars and then moderately reduce their prices, still making it inaccessible to the people that need it, but truly affordable housing. And people also talked about uh, more economic opportunities and truly having all of our neighborhoods be somewhere where people live, work and play. Yeah. So the, the diatribe's in the process of negotiating uh, the, the purchase of a building for mixed use. For those who haven't been following this super closely and may not be familiar with the site, just tell us a little bit about where it is exactly and, and what the plan is for building it out. The building is right on the corner of Burton and Division. It's really close to the corner of Burton and Division, which is right on the Silver Line in Grand Rapids. Uh, Division, for those that are unaware of Grand Rapids, is truly a line of division through our city. Uh, It's a line of division that's through how our city was redlined, how our city was created. Um, But Division is is really like a, a centered highway through our entire city. 
Um, so this building is going to be a place that's going to be really accessible to a lot of young people that we serve because it's right on the silver line, which is a main bus line and a, a public transit that the city and county invested in. But this building is a 20,000 square foot building. If you include the basement, two floors, as well as the basement, uh, and what this development is going to look like is it's going to have, again, truly affordable housing in the upstairs. And what I mean by that is these studios are going to be starting around like $600 a month. These two bedrooms are going to be around $800 a month. So, you know, normally as somebody who grew up cash poor most of my life, uh, when I would have to get an apartment, I'd have to put down my security deposit, my mm -hmm. first month's rent. I had to hope I got my security deposit back when I left. And a lot of times when I moved on to the next stage in my life, it was hard. So what we're going to do is cap how long people can live there at three years. And at the end of that three years, give them $3,648 or $5,400 that they can use to then put into a home loan to make them even more competitive in this wild housing market in Michigan, or they can use that to invest in their individual business and their endeavors. What we want to do is we want to set people up to win and make sure that they're in an even better place financially when they leave than when they came in. And what they're also going to be doing is all the people who live there, the first year they live there, they're going to be taking a credit building class. The second year they live there, they'll be taking a financial literacy class. The third year they live there, they'll be taking a home ownership class. Again, because I'm some Somebody who my credit was bad. I didn't know what financial literacy was. So again, if we can teach people step by step, as well as give them the financial investment um, so that they, they can take steps forward, we're excited to measure that and show how that impacts the people's lives who live there so that we can show other philanthropic uh, entities as well as people who do renting on a large scale across Michigan across the country. Hey, if we reimagine these systems, how will we truly impact the lives of the people who whose lives are disproportionately impacted by these systems? So many things I love about this, the idea of sort of a, a kind of equity for renters built in for the process and also just being able to expand that group of people who have a chance to live in the building over time. I know that your your namesake for the building is Emery Douglas, who was a, a graphic artist well-known throughout the civil rights era and a native of Grand Rapids. How did you land on him as, as the person you wanted people to remember every time they say this building's name? Yeah, so Mr. Emery, as you said, was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, and as you said, was an iconic leader during the civil rights movement. Uh, in a lot of our cities, we don't have a lot of buildings named after black and brown folks. Um, a lot of times the way philanthropy has worked throughout most of our lives, if philanthropists invest in buildings, you see their name on a building. You know, you see the name of some big lawyer's office on buildings downtown. Um, but a lot of times we don't have buildings commemorating the people who truly pledge their lives to making change. Um just recently in Grand Rapids, we got a street named after MLK, um, which is cool. I feel like it would have been cooler and more radical 50 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, still cool. Got to take steps where you can get them. Um, but we wanted to name this building, this place that really is about bringing power back to people after somebody who believed in just that. And we talked to Mr. Emery and he gave us the naming rights for this building. And not only that, but he's going to design the mural that will exist on the front of this building. And then we're going to have local artists bring it to life. Um, and then also he gave us a bunch of limited edition prints and original prints that are also going to be existing all throughout this space. So when you're using the co-working space or our headquarters, um, or whether you're navigating the other 
retail spaces that are in this building or coming to see a show uh, in this building, you're going to be able to be immersed in history and hopefully something that's going to, to change our future uh, for years to come. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Marcel responds to folks who might be surprised to meet a poet working in housing development. More in a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. This is such a, you know, it sounds like such a transformational project. And I've got to believe it's it's maybe been transformational, too, for the people who are taking part in this process. I mean, are there things that you have learned or that have come into focus for you with this project that that were not necessarily there for you when you started? Yeah, I, everything. I, I'm, I feel like I'm like learning in hyperspeed. Right. Um, I was talking to... Uh, I was talking to a county commissioner that I won't name. Um, and when I was talking to one of the commissioners in our county, because we're getting ready, we're on the the final end of the road for, for possibly getting some ARPA funds for our county. And I was talking to this county commissioner and he said, what do you do for a living? And I, I told him I'm the executive director of this organization. He said, yeah, but like, what do you, like, what's your like, what's your specialty? Like, did you go to to college for, you know, are you a developer by trade? And I, and I told him that I'm a poet. I said, you know, most of my life I've, I've been a poet. I've been a, a full-time artist. I've been a storyteller. And he's like a poet. What, what qualifies you to do something like this, oh. <laughs> like a project like this? You're, you're a poet. And, and at first I, I think I am somebody who who deals with a lot of imposter syndrome. I mean, again, I'm I'm somebody who grew up cash poor. You know, I, I grew up somebody who did not do good in school. I was that kid who got suspended often. You know, I I I'm an everyday extraordinary human being, just like a lot of the people around me. And for a while, I, I was really like defeated by that conversation. But then I took a step back and I thought, who better to reimagine? the world and the way systems work than artists and creatives who who better to to try to create something prolific and that hasn't been done than than a poet than the people who talk about the world that they want to will into existence through literary arts um and i think that what i've learned through this whole process is these systems aren't built for everyday extraordinary people to to create anew if we were creating affordable housing, right, there's a all of the tax credits that exist for things like that, they have to be given to people who have done it before. 
How exclusionary is that? Uh, and it makes it to where the money continues to stay in the hands of the people that do it. When it comes to being intentional and when it comes to hiring vibrant contractors, it's going to be such uh, an excruciating process because, again, if you're trying to keep money in the neighborhood, in the community, when you're looking for uh, a property appraiser, when you're looking for a realtor, when you're looking for an electrician, when you're looking through all these things, if you're trying to say, all right, where are the women-owned businesses, black-owned businesses, brown-owned businesses, like the amounts trickle down drastically. And, and I think that this has been a wild learning experience because it shows me all the gaps and it shows me all of the areas when people do these big investments, how so much money continues to stay in the U.S. majority's hands because of how all of these systems are built, even down to, to the banking. You know, like mm -hmm. everything is made to be exclusionary. Everything is made to be a game of of who you know and how you're connected. Everything is is what you've done to be able to qualify you to be able to do it. And it, and it just continues to show me why so many are set up to fail and why so many of these systems seem so dead set on just continuing to to keep moving the way that they've always existed. Yeah. For those who do know the area that we're talking about, you know, it's it's really pretty well known for the murals that the diatribe was involved in creating in the first place, the, the 49507 project, referring to the zip code. Marcel, was there ever any question when you were hatching this plan that the project would be would be cited here? Yes and no. So so many times developers, so many times nonprofit organizations all across the country, right? This isn't just a Michigan thing. All across the country, they'll they'll choose a neighborhood they want to go into, right? Equity yeah. is a big buzzword, right? Uh, DEI is, is the new hot thing. So, so many organizations are like, well, we want to work with the black and brown folks. So we're going to dive into these neighborhoods and we're going to we're going to do the work because that's equity, right? Like I live, I live in this neighborhood. Like a lot of the artists that we work with, a lot of the the project manager that we hired, a lot of the people who who do this work, they live in this neighborhood. You know, this is our neighborhood. Um, and as this as property in Michigan, especially, you know, we live in a, such an affordable housing market if you compare it to places like you know Philadelphia, New York, Miami, et cetera. Um, and there's a lot of people that are moving here because it's so affordable. Indeed, but that means that also our our neighborhoods are gentrifying. Who owns the houses? It's it's switching hands. And we didn't want people to come into our neighborhood and forget who lived here, forget who called it home for so long, uh, forget who called it home, regardless of the investment that was had. Um, the the Who called it home regardless of the quality of the schools, um, regardless of the way that justice worked and systems treated people in our neighborhoods. More importantly, we wanted to make it look like we lived here. Um, and I think the goal was to always get a space, um, but I didn't know where that space would be, but I hoped that it would be in our neighborhood. So for property owners and business owners to embrace us and to be excited about this, uh, it, it, it felt like an honor. Um, and it feels really amazing to have like community and neighbors like trust the work 
you know, mm-hmm. like now other places hire us to do listening sessions. And again, we can do it in a holistic way. We can compensate neighbors. We can compensate people. We canvas all 5,500 homes just in our neighborhood. And again, we paid neighbors to do it. We paid, we pay people who look like us to do it. Um, to where again, when people are knocking on your door, sometimes you don't want to answer it. But if somebody who looks like you is knocking on your door, it's going to make it a whole lot more comfortable. And I think like the sky's the limit when it comes to even things like that, like how we engage people, how we bring them into community, how we let them know the things that are going on. So I think that it's really beautiful and divine the way it all aligned and connected. Um, But I don't know if it was ever the plan specifically, but I really love how it, how it happened to pan out. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Bear. You can find full Stateside episodes to stream anytime at michiganradio.org. Support for arts and culture coverage comes in part from the Michigan Arts and Culture Council. If you are downloading and listening to this on Tuesday afternoon, just a reminder, we're going to have live election results for you on Michigan Radio starting at 8 p.m. So hit the frequencies or the stream and hear the whole thing unfold. Today's episode was produced by Ronia Kabansak. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.